Hello, welcome to 201X Best Games of the Decade, where we talk about the best games that came out in the past 10 years, year by year. I am Jarrett, but I'm also known as Ja, and I'm here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. And Mikey, also known as Keylock. Yo, what's up, everybody? Yo, so enthusiastic. <laughs> this is a good year. We're finally to like... We're about to start hitting the good years of these games, of these game years of the decade. Mm-hmm. Man, did I time. word that horribly. Yeah, that's wow. okay. <laughs> we got you. It's fine. Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, for each year of this decade, we will drill down the top 10 games of that year. This episode, we are focusing on the best games of 2016. Before we get started, I just want to welcome anybody who has listened before back i mean if you're listening for the first time you must have really liked 2016 because it's kind of weird just jumping in the middle here but hey you're still welcome here you know we're well this is a welcome place uh, but yeah welcome back and we hope you enjoyed the previous shows uh either, either you enjoyed the previous shows or you're here to hate listen a little bit either way we appreciate you being here uh if you uh want to keep up with, with uh, the mash those buttons uh network you can follow us on twitter at the mash network and you can also join us on Discord, discord.me slash mash those buttons. And you can, uh, you know, tell us your opinions, what you think about the list we've done so far, what you think about this list. And also one other item I want to talk about before we get started is I want to talk about the lock and system, just in case you this is your first uh, listen here. Uh, but basically what we do on this show is that each host gets an opportunity to pick a game that will definitely make it into the top 10 of that year. The game is not given a specific space in the top 10, but it will at least make you know, at least be on the list. So uh, we'll announce those picks as they come up. And with that, we're going to get started. Best games of 2016. Number 10. Darkest Dungeon. Red Hook Studios took Darkest Dungeon out of early access in 2016 to great acclaim. Darkest Dungeon lets players bring a roster of heroes into the dungeons beneath an inherited mansion, ratcheting up the tension as they go. The innovative stress level mechanic forced players to choose how far they could push their team. We can't stress enough how awesome Darkest Dungeon is. Okay, coming at number 10, Darkest Dungeon. This was a lock and pick by Mikey. I mean, I knew it was a good game. I knew people enjoyed it. But I still didn't play it, so I'm gonna let Mikey go ahead and talk about it. <laughs> I didn't play it, but I heard it was real good. Oh no, I uh, I played the shit out of this game. This game was like, but what's funny is I didn't actually like really get into it until like the next previous year, like because like I, mm. well, because like in 2017, like people were streaming the hell out of it in 2016, but then I didn't really start playing it until 2017. Because it did a re-release or something like that on another console platform. Because I think this is like the initial release on PC. That makes sense. I mean, like remember, remember when I talked about Bulletstorm made my list or one of our lists in the past, and I didn't play that until a little bit after it came out. So right, but this game was it. like it had really good classes. It had a lot of fucking bullshit consequences, but like they felt fair but bullshitty i don't know how to describe it because it's fair it's not bullshit mike <laughs> but it, you just didn't like it the you rng just didn't like it. sometimes was not on my side and i really needed to, to be okay i needed my healer to not get crit hit by that zombie okay sometimes it just sucked like it had a really good um 
like the way you would maneuver around the dungeons and how there were traps set and how you could disarm the traps and you could sometimes find items and how the turn-based combat was actually implemented was very interesting. It it it, it was just very good, very fun to watch too. Like I would watch people play this game like nonstop because of like how varied you'd see people's parties are because the parties you can like assemble is based off of the randomness that of what units are available in the town that you get to. And so everybody's run was always just a little different. And also just because the rewards were different that would buff certain like styles, like there were like different trinkets that would help with dexterity shot characters or trinkets that would help tanky characters. And like, it was just really fascinating. And one of the coolest things was the insanity system Every character had like a sanity bar, basically. And basically, as they went darker into the dungeon, and if you didn't keep like the torches lit and well lit areas, like people would eventually like suffer insanity. And like you, and then it was literally a dice roll of like, are you going to get like a really bad attribute out of this? Or will your character be like, nah, I'm a badass. I'm going to be this, I'm going to get this really good attribute. So there wasn't like, Going insane wasn't necessarily totally a bad thing. It was just really, like, risky. So, I don't know. There was just a lot of, like, interesting ways to play this game. And you could still play this game differently, like, I think even in 2019 than how you started playing it even back in 2016. I remember the look of this game was actually pretty simple, too, right? Like, it was just, like, it was, like, a flat. Like, mm-hmm. it looked like, like hand-drawn, like, Art. when you do the fights. Yeah. You do the fights, as like, your guys on one side versus their, uh, on the, uh, the, uh, you know, the enemies on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I think because they, you know, doing, the game still looks good in its art style, but because they didn't really focus too much on making it fancy and 3D graphics, they really had a chance to uh, tweak the systems of the game to make them that much better and that much more enjoyable. I mean, you kind of have to, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like you're looking at a piece of paper and people are moving the pieces of paper like toward each other. It does, I mean, but it does it in like a nice, like, like you're watching one of those old classic, like, uh, movies of like those, like, paper, like, you know, how like old paper animation used to be. Right. It moves yeah. really smoothly like that. So you didn't really like, it didn't look awful. Like it just looked very stylized and very yeah. depressing and dark and miserable and how everything in this area is just awful. And you're like, why the fuck am I here? And just, are, are, are you talking about the game? Or are you talking about Texas? The, oh, <laughs> Texas. probably. Um, <laughs> did, did a little no, darkest dungeon is held in San Antonio. No, I don't know where. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, like the game is just, it's a gorgeous game. It plays really well. It's frustrating as fuck sometimes. Sometimes you just have bad RNG. Um, but it, it's just a really good game. It's out on switch these days. Honestly, if you haven't given it a shot, switch is a great platform because you can just start a dungeon and stop whenever you need to and just pick it back up. Great game. Play it. Awesome. Darkest Dungeon 2 is actually, I think, supposed to be in development. So, cheers to that. Okay, let's go ahead and get into number nine. Best games of 2016. Number nine. Mirror's Edge. Catalyst. The original Mirror's Edge was renowned for its parkour-style gameplay, and Mirror's Edge Catalyst made sure to continue the trend. 
The fluid controls make Faith seem like she is effortlessly navigating the city, while an overhauled combat system completely removed the use of guns to instead let Faith beat down enemies with her physicality. Mirror's Edge Catalyst reflected well upon EA DICE's efforts. All right, coming at number nine, Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Now, this was my lock-in pick, and I locked this game in because this is this was a good game. Mirror's Edge Catalyst was a good game, and you're going to have a hard time arguing with me that it is not a good game. The problem that Mirror's Edge Catalyst had, I think, was that the people like the so first of all mirror's edge period was a niche game it was it was like a, it was a cult classic or i should say not niche but it was a cult classic so it had a small amount of people comparatively that wanted another mirror's edge and i think that mirror's edge catalyst didn't meet the expectations of those people in particular right uh i mean mirror's edge catalyst has everything that the original mirror's edge has but it is spaced out between, uh, you know, between an open world. So some people didn't necessarily like the fact that they had to traverse the open world uh, to get from area to area. Because once you got to your missions, the missions were just like they were in, you know, Mirror's Edge. Like, closed off, very choreographed, lots of fun. You know, they were. You know, they, they were cool. But, you know, a lot of people didn't like the fact that you had to traverse the open world to get it. Which, I mean, it, it is an open world. So you, the, your open world is not going to be as choreographed or closed off as you would like it you know go ahead mike you got you you can talk it's fine it's a good game yeah (laughs) there you go leave it at that it's a it's a good game but like i think a lot of people like kind of look down on it uh because it just wasn't as good as it could have been and i will agree with that there are several areas that they could have improved on like they had these uh uh forget what the name of the thing you had to get, but they're basically these computer mainframe areas that were just a platforming where you had to platform up to this like area and then, you know, grab a, an objective. And I think they only had four of them in the game. If they just released a DLC with a bunch more of those, they would have had my money. But you know, like if they would put more of those in the game, uh, I did like the fight, the fact that combat had been refined a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. There was no option to grab a gun anymore. You like, well, you could disarm somebody, but you couldn't take their weapon. In Mirror's Edge, the original one, there was actually an achievement to not shoot anybody. So if I accidentally disarm somebody, I had to make sure I threw away the gun really fast so I didn't like you know hit another button and shoot somebody. So I'm just glad you couldn't take a gun. Um, I think the combat did well as long as you kept moving. Now, I didn't actually have a problem moving around the areas where there were combat. Like, I always found a way to run on a wall, jump off it, kick somebody in the face. As I'm kicking them in the face, I just run to the next wall, jump off of that, backflips, you know, stuff like that. But um, I did watch a couple of videos of people playing and complaining about it. But then all I kept seeing them do was them run up to somebody and then stop and start kicking them in the face. I'm like, well, don't stop running like the I, I don't think you've really ever had to fight somebody in a confined space that they made you stop running where they made you stop running i don't know i'd have to go back and look I, the only place i could think where that would be is if it was like a platform on top of a building that literally there's just no walls or anything to run off of and even then you just run straight at them i don't know Right. Oh. And you could actually make uh, and the fights never really lasted that long. I mean, because you're in the, the city of glass, there's a lot of high rises. You're usually fighting on high rises. You can just kick somebody right off the side of a building if you want to. They could fall down. You know, so I really enjoyed the game. 
Uh, I'll enjoy the combat. I actually enjoyed the open world elements. Like I, I, I liked running through that world. I liked using the new grapple to get around. I liked finding the collectibles. If you wanted to, you can make time trials at any given location. Like you just could just stop and make a time trial. You know, I thought all that was was a, a lot of fun. The game looked great. It was a it's, a it's a frostbite game. Actually, I have the I have like the art book sitting in my in my bookcase. And some of these images where they're sitting still, it's like, is that the actual model that they modeled after? Or is that the thing that was in the game? Like, it looks, you know, so good. Tons of side missions to keep you busy. The soundtrack was good. They brought back Solar Fields for another Mirror's Edge soundtrack. So that was great. Yeah, I just like, I felt that the game, like, I mean, it's number nine. And I don't think I fought that hard to push it any higher. I, I think it's just I think it's one of the best games that came out that year. And I don't know, it just got a bad rap. And it sucks because I just don't think they're gonna try again. I don't think they're ever gonna try again because they try they've tried twice. <laughs> yeah, know? that was definitely the thing that hurt it. Um and why I didn't play it and a lot of people that I know didn't play it was because it came out and everybody was just shitting on the game. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. Like, the th- I think the people who played it first were the people who were the most excited about it, right? It was the, it was the fan that just like it it wasn't what they expected. I know, like, for, like you know, if you don't like the open world, I get it. But at the same time, is like it doesn't mean throw the entire game in the trash can because right. I just don't know why there wasn't more online multiplayer functionality. In Mirror's Edge, yeah. I mean, the time trials are the online multiplayer. <laughs> that's that, that that's but that's it. Like, I wanted cops versus. Ru- I wanted like tag. I would have loved to have played tag in the City of Glass. Uh, okay, so this is something that I think a lot of games <laughs> suffer from, right? Where like people make their own fan ideas on how the yeah, game should like, be you're te- developed, you're te- right? But you're not the developers, exactly. So it's not gonna. <laughs> I mean, that's fine, but I'm disappointed that our only thing is, like, time trials. Like, that's Maybe just me, but... I went into this knowing it was going to be a solo experience, and I am okay with that. You know, I, I I was totally cool with it being a completely solo experience, you know? Um, yeah, like, I... I want to say, did it exceed... No, I would say it met my expectations. Which is good. Like I, I got you know how I normally do. Like <laughs> that's actually good when the game can actually be my expectations. I was like, yeah, this is what I expected, and I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. The story was all right. I mean, the story could have been better too, but I wasn't really playing it for the story. I was playing it for parkour. You know, as <laughs> well, I was playing it to. It, it, it's a, it's, it's a difficult job having movement like that in a, in a game. You know. Uh, to to have that level of of uh, freedom of movement and moving around, like you know, that's why first person games are usually reserved for shooters, right? <laughs> you know, because you have something else to distract you. But in this one's like, okay, you gotta run on this wall, jump off, and now you're gonna jump off this ledge, and you gotta hit this button at the right time so you can make sure that you roll and keep your momentum going, and you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I think Mirror, like I said, I I believe that Mirror's Edge is really one of the best games that came out that year, and I, I honestly think it's the fans that heard it the most. I do believe it's the fans that heard it the most. <laughs> Mike so has no remorse. Sad. <laughs> I mean, my pro- I mean, I I wanted more out of multiplayer. I wanted there not to be just one optimal path for the open worlds because once I found optimal path, 
No reason to do anything else. No reason to explore. Just run that path. Um, and I mean, like you said, the confined off regions where they actually choreographed all the running. Perfect. It was great. That was awesome. I just felt the open world suffered. That's all. I just have a question. Did they announce they were going to do a multiplayer in advance? Like, why are you so hung up on the multiplayer? Like, that's just like... I, I'm just. Like, I'm not that hung up on the multiplayer. If you want to get me hung up on something, it's the fact that there weren't that many optimal paths to run, and once you figured it out, it was figured out. There was no reason to go explore outside of finding little trinket bags here and there. Right. Well, I mean, even to that degree, I disagree a little bit because there were optimal paths that got you from area to area because it was split off into different areas, and there right. was only one path to take. There was only one path to take to get to each area. But once you get into those areas, you have more freedom, but not the same level of freedom as you do when you get into a mission, when you actually get into a mission. So, uh, but yeah, but uh, we've had, there's enough, there's enough Mirror's Edge today. Uh, Let's go ahead and move into number eight. Best games of 2016, number eight, Stardew Valley. Tired of the city life? Then head to Stardew Valley. Players gain control of a rundown farm and the open-ended gameplay grants freedom in choosing how to rebuild it. Tend crops, craft goods, raise and breed livestock, or raise and breed a family, the choice is yours. And multiplayer extended the fun by allowing up to three other farmers to join you online. This truly is a five-star do game. Number eight, Stardew Valley, another game that I know a lot of people spent a lot of time playing, but not me. <laughs> so go ahead. I, I know but both of you wanted to put the game on the list. So. Hi, I'm one of those people that spent a lot of time playing this <laughs> game. Um, yeah, so. yeah, well, Stardew Valley, great. Everybody knows. Uh, the <laughs> main reason why I started playing this game is because everybody was streaming it and I love Harvest Moon and I was like, oh crap, this looks just like Harvest Moon, like classic Harvest Moon, not like whatever they've been doing now. So I got it and much to my surprise, it was above and beyond what I even expected. The person that made this game worked on this game for four years by himself. I was like watching something on it too. Like he would spend like 10 hours a day on this game, seven days a week. Like that dedication is insane. And even after the game came out, he didn't want other people working on the game because he didn't want to lose the personal touch. Like he wanted to be involved with this game through and through to the point where like if people had corrupt save files, he would ask them to send them to him and he would fix it for them and send it back. Like just the the customer service, I guess the love is a better word for it. The love of this game alone is I think what made this game do so well. But if you like Harvest Moon, um, the whole like dating sim, friend sim, you know, having a world, like a living world that you're in, they have a dungeon area that you can go and you can just do kind of whatever you want to do. And that's, that's really the charm of this game is you can do whatever. Well, back to the customer service thing. They were updating this game a lot. There were lots of updates, including the multiplayer update that everyone seemed to really like. Like this, this game got a lot of love and it got a lot of support. And it's just, it's just amazing to see. Yeah. And the, the thing, the fact that you can do so much in this game is one of the reasons why I had a hard time like 
even trying it because I'll watch a video. I, I would see people, I, like my Steam list would be packed with people playing it, right? And I go to try to watch a video or something like that, and not one person could coherently explain to me what the fuck is going on in this game, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, okay, like there's a lot of there's a lot going on right now, you know. I'm gonna go play something else, like, like you know, that's that's something that I can explain. The so, yeah. the idea of the game that he wanted to push across is like, you know, you need to take a break from life and kind of just chill, and that's what he does like explaining in the first like 10 minutes of the game where you you're shown you're working for a corporation just like a desk nine to five and then you inherit your grandfather's farm and then you go and live like a simpler life and you know just kind of chill and that's the whole idea of the game is just to chill oh okay see i don't play games where you just chill well i do and i love them <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you do need a chill game like Mm-hmm. You know what my chill game is? Doom. Overwatch off comms. That's my chill game. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Off comms. Okay. Off comms, yeah. That's what I'm ready when I'm ready to chill out. You know how many podcasts get edited in the middle of a game of Overwatch? Which is not necessarily the best thing for my team, but that'll be our secret. Nobody will know. <laughs> Nobody yeah, will know. No one listens to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so but okay. Well, you got anything else before we move on? The community is also really good for this game. They support the community isn't like mega toxic and they just really love this game and they really support the developers. So shout outs to a game to just be full of love and compassion. The developer is full of love and compassion. Like I swear to God, I just watch stuff like about him and like people will make mods that maybe he doesn't agree with. And he's like, oh, well, if that makes them happy, if that's how they want to play this game, you know, whatever. Like, they're happy. Like, he's, uh, I kind of want to meet him, but then I don't know what I would say, so I guess maybe I don't, but he seems like a really nice person. Uh-huh. Well, I hope that this really nice person has a, a, a really nice career making games. <laughs> so I think he's set. I think he's pretty set from this game, period. Do you think they'll, they'll make, he'll make a sequel? I don't know about a sequel. I know he wanted to continue making games, but I don't know what his goals are at the moment. I didn't mm. look at his here and now. I just looked at his then and how. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to go ahead and move on to number seven. Best games of 2016. Number seven. Dishonored 2. After the success of Dishonored in 2012, Arcane Studios continued their dominance with Dishonored 2. Arcane doubled the protagonists, allowing players to choose to be Corvo or his daughter, the deposed Empress Emily. This also doubled the gameplay options, as both Corvo and Emily had their own set of abilities. Players retained the ability to choose how they approach encounters, with combat styles ranging from stealth-based to vicious supernatural attacks. Dishonored 2 is such a great game. The only dishonor is in not playing it. Okay, coming at number seven, Dishonored 2. And I actually went back and played a little bit of this when I went to go do my list. I was like, I forgot how good this game was. This game was good, man. <laughs> like, I, like, I, like, the game looked good. The level design was excellent. 
The dialogue was excellent. That you that you could just do multiple playthroughs because both Emily and Corvo, while the story was the same with Emily and Corvo, which I was a little disappointed about, like the dialogue was the same. Mm-hmm. The way you have to play them is very different. And then on top of that, both of them have have both have powers for stealth and you know uh, aggressive or passive and aggressive gameplay. So yeah. you can get like four different like you know styles you can get four different playthroughs of this game mm-hmm. you know there's a reason why i was telling you i was when i was doing this like i would play i would kind of like do a tandem playthrough like clear one section as uh emily emily emily, emily, yeah. emily yeah sorry i had i was like not conf- uh, for some reason i was like is that her name uh but yeah like she had a lot of cool like i'm gonna kill everyone in the fucking room powers so i was like i'm down with her we're gonna just murder spree but then corvo like his stealth abilities seem just like Super solid. So I kind of did like a stealth secret run with him while doing like murder spree with other girl with Emily. So it was just I, I, it was just fun for me. Other girl. And the funny thing was I did the opposite because in Dishonored I played with Corvo like you know all stealth like, and I'm like, well, I'm gonna kill everybody with him this time. I'm gonna enjoy his aggressive you know uh, abilities while Emily her stealth plays excellent like still, you know. So like yeah, it is it was it was really good like I was I I, for, I actually did forget a bit I think it's because I when I uh, the last Dishonored game I played was um the one with Billy Lurk um oh the, the, uh, the uh, De- Death of the Death Outsider of a- yes which isn't bad but Was it it, do- it wasn't bad uh but the thing about Death of the Outsider is that it gets rid of the um. The system. Uh, what do they call the system? Where, where you kill more people, there's more consequences. Yeah, um, you can just do whatever like, you wanted, free of choice. Free yeah, you can do like you. You can like literally, and because of that, like I didn't think I was gonna do it because of that. Like when I would get in trouble, I just be like fuck it, and I just pull my sword out and kill everybody. I have a screenshot of 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 like one of my objectives, walking through a, a just a field of nothing but dead bodies of of dead guards. Because I fucked up on something, and instead of restarting the area, I just killed everybody instead. Uh, you think but that's yeah, I mean, it was a standalone DLC package. Do you think that's why they didn't put forth the effort to put that kind of thing in? I think so, because that means you have to have multiple endings, you know, and they True. didn't necessarily want to go go through with that. But yeah, Dishonored too. Like the level design was great. Each level, you know, plays differently. Like each level. Like so, you have one level where you can teleport back and forth through time. You can actually look through this glass and see the different time. You know, you have another level that's um. How before we continue? How did two games come out this year? Come out with the same fucking idea and do it so fucking well? Oh yeah. Like we'll talk (laughs) about it later too, but like, just fuck, man. Such so a good you, mechanic. It is an excellent mechanic. And then on top of that, it wasn't overused because once it was done, it was done. That was it. But I want and a then- whole game of that. <laughs> I just want like about portal size length. Maybe portal okay. two portal two size length of just that. Like That's, that would be yeah. so dope. <laughs> Yeah, like when I got that, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like this is gonna be hot. <laughs> like it was, it, it was, and um, yeah. So you had that level. You had a level with all the witches. So like the combat completely changes. Uh, you had the level with the clockwork house where you would pull a lever and it changes how the house is like shaped and where the rooms are and shit like that. I'm like, this game is incredible. I never want to leave this dark, 
desperate world. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, this place is amazing. Let's stay you know? in misery land. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like darkest dungeon all over again. <laughs> yeah. Like this, it was really good. And on top of that, so in, in the first dishonor, the decisions that you made really affect the outcome of the, uh, the ending, right? Like if how many people you choose to kill, uh, versus how many people you choose not to kill affects the the end of the game. In Dishonor Two, it still affects the end of the game, but you also have some immediate uh, changes that happen. Like if you choose to kill this person versus not kill this person, well, they now maybe your ally and give you some information that you need. Uh, there was one person in particular, and I don't want to spoil it, where you actually have three options for them at least three options and maybe more to be honest with you it's at least three options for them i'm not going to tell you what it is but like you know depending on which of the three you pick will drastically change what happens next in the game and they don't make it known to you they only present like you know your two options well actually no they give you one option they give you one objective and you know you can either kill this person or not kill this person right uh, but then there's a third option too that I actually found by accident because I messed up and I was like, well, I was the best from the pick actually. <laughs> so go me, but no, <clears throat> Dishonored 2 was amazing. It was actually so good. I was looking at this list again. I was like, I don't know. We might have to reorder now that I'm, I'm looking at this again, but I was like, then I, I started looking into some of the other games on the list. I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's where it needs to be. So Dishonored 2, amazing game. If you have not played it, it is worth a play. Absolutely. And with that, we are going to move into number six. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Best games of 2016, number six, Final Fantasy 15. After a very long development cycle, Final Fantasy XV was a big change for the Final Fantasy franchise and was quite ambitious. Final Fantasy fans were relieved that XV didn't turn into a Duke Nukem forever and mostly delivered what fans wanted. Square Enix managed to modernize the series with major changes to combat mechanics accompanied by a beautiful world map and deep, character-focused story. Okay, number six, Final Fantasy XV. This is Christina's lock and pick. Go for it. Yeah, so I'm going to start off with the thing that hurt 15 the most, right? And that was the, it took a bajillion years to come out. It started as Final Fantasy 13 versus nobody knew what the heck was going to happen. And then it came out and oh my God, like 
I would wait, honestly, another five years for that game if I had to, just to experience what I experienced again. It was so good. I think a lot of people didn't play through the first couple of hours because they were like, oh, it's going to be this, you know, bachelor party, whatever, bunch of dudes going on a road trip. But shit goes south really fast. And that honestly is kind of the best part of the game. You you get sent out to go find your um, and then and like basically, which is not a spoiler because yeah. it happens within the first, you know, hour. Of the well, game. it happens in the movie that you have it to watch. Also happens <laughs> in the movie that you have to watch. Like, that's honestly one of the things I think that hurt the game the most. If you didn't pay attention to the anime or the movie. You're kind of going in a little like not fully ready. Like you have to like preempt yourself with those kind of those materials to like completely understand. Eh, I, I mean, mean there's to- other games like that too. And to be honest, it wasn't like Final Fantasy 10 levels of confusing. Like it wasn't confusing. You just didn't see as much. Right. So, yeah, but the gameplay is a little differently because you don't control any more than just one character. You have like your AI that like your friends that like battle with you. It's kind of made to be like, okay, well, they're still considered part of your you. Like it's kind of just like this whole party is you. So I think they did really well because everybody specializes in their own specific Mm -hmm. thing. They also had a magic system that was interesting because you had to gather the resources. I think Final Fantasy VIII did the same thing where you had to gather the resources to use the magic and then you can like mix the magics together um and you can like change weapons on the fly and you can teleport and all kinds of crazy stuff but it was pretty i ran around for hours the regalia was great except when you were able to fly that is the hardest thing i've ever done and landing that thing the first game over i got in that game was landing the regalia and dying because yeah that sounds about right yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. the game the gameplay isn't that difficult what i feel like this game would had succeeded more if some of the content like being able to control like gladius prompto and ignis more that got released throughout the dlcs and in the royal edition i think the royal edition is really like how you should play this game. Like I, I it would be hard for me to go back and play and vanilla that, that 15. Came out, that came out two years after this released. Right. And that's the problem, right? Because yeah. I feel like when you add the idea of different gameplay styles, when you switch between your characters, like Gladiolus plays nothing like how Noctis does. Prompto plays absolutely not like any of the other characters. Like, I feel like, when you get to do when you get to add those elements into it, like the game really shines more and especially in the uh, ways that you can do combat. Uh, the story, the story's good, but you could tell there were parts at the end, like in that middle part, like not the end end, not like the, where, not the true, like where, where the game, like, I don't want to say, <laughs> I want to say something that's, like, related to Fire Emblem, but, like, I don't want to, like, give that away. Um, But, yeah. Like, there's, like, the 
part between where shit really starts hitting the fan and the end where it's like it feels like you're just being pushed really quickly through like scenarios and i kind of wish they would have taken a little bit more time with what was happening because i feel like some of the impact is lost because of the rush but i also understand this game had to get out the fucking door and I'm glad it did. It plays great. It's fun. The combat is insanely fun. I am really happy they went with a more real-time combat system for this game. Uh, I will never get fucking tired of warp striking. Ever. Like, throwing. There is something. I don't. They found so. It's kind of like the. It's not as good as the Leviathan Axe. Like, you know, throwing it and how it feels when it's coming back. But it never gets old to throw a sword and just teleport to it. And then deal insane amounts of damage. Like, it's just really fun. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I definitely played too much of that game. Um, I wish I could go back and play it again. Like, and experience, again, everything that I did the first time. I just, I played that game from when it came out, which was like end November, all the way till I was doing a New Year's stream doing the Pitos Dungeon or whatever it's called, which is a platforming dungeon. It's really oh God. bad because that game's not made for platforming. However, oh. I played that game from the end of November to like mid-January. Almost nonstop. It was, yeah. No, I love most of the dungeons in this game. The dungeons were very interesting. Uh, they varied them up really well. It was just really fun. Like, it was... It was a good romp. I think this was definitely a step in the right direction for Final Fantasy. I just hope they learn from this, they evolve from this, and they don't let like one person hold up a game and they realize that when someone's gone too far deep, maybe to bring in the rescue team sooner. There's one thing I do want to know before I move on. Just because something happens at the beginning of a game or in a movie associated with a game does not mean it's not a spoiler <laughs> to say what the, what has actually happened. <laughs> it's not. It that's you've done it like a million times. First off, I can't think of an example, but you've definitely done it. But it's okay, not. That's the whole thinking. premise of the game. Okay, that's the whole premise of the game. Is now you have to figure out what the heck you're doing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll watch the movie and I'll let you know whether it was a spoiler or not. Let's go ahead and move into number five. Best games of 2016. Number five, Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. Success was anything but Uncharted for Naughty Dog when they released Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. Uncharted 4 expanded on the standard Uncharted formula, combining open-world elements along with its expected linear levels. Uncharted 4 provided a fitting send-off for Nathan Drake after carrying the franchise for almost a decade. All right, coming at number five, Uncharted 4. Somebody enjoyed this game. I did. Yeah, it was, it was Mike. <laughs> I, was yeah. like, <laughs> I was like, it's on this list for one of you too far for it to be here. <laughs> Well, the gunplay is never solid in Uncharted, and I will give you that 100%. It wasn't Uncharted 2. I, I, I stand by that. I still stand by that. I think Uncharted 2 had the, the proper had the proper mix. I think this is like the one right below Uncharted 2. Like, it gotcha. goes 2, 4, 1, and 3. Or 3 and... I, you can alternate 3 and 1. It's whatever. 
I don't know, dude. One was what? really bad with the gunplay. <laughs> yeah, but one story is so much better. But anyways. It is. It absolutely is. <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, but anyways, Uncharted 4 has probably the best story in the game because it is the literal buildup of all the other games to this point. Uh, it starts off great, like how it basically talks about what Drake is up to these days versus what he's usually up to and how he's being like drugged back into it. Like, it's just very good storytelling by Naughty Dog. Go fucking figure. It's Naughty Dog. They know how to tell a story. Who would have thought? But the visual improvements from the from their from uh, their last game to this being on the PS4 was just amazing. Their visual quality is amazing. The their you could see they were playing around still with some things though. Like they had a pseudo open area, and it was like, oh, are they thinking about doing more open kind of stuff? And that was interesting for them. It was just a very... <sighs> this game hits you hard if you've been like a fan of the Uncharted series all the way through because it just hits like little subtle moments and they have nods to every little thing, even the PS Vita game. The Vita game is acknowledged in this fucking game. Wow. So <laughs> it, it, it sends the series off well. It ends the, it ends the story well. It's just a very nice like last chapter to a very good saga that this game, that the series had. Yeah. Cause you couldn't end it on three. <laughs> no, definitely I know. That's not. what I'm saying. You like, could not end it on three. Like you could not yeah, end it on three. No, yeah. no way. So, but <laughs> it, it, it was, it, it's, it was a killer app for the PlayStation four. It sold probably many PS fours for people like, yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, like when it was coming out, I knew, there's no doubt in my mind. There's going to be a great game. It's it's an uncharted game. It's not. It's not a dog. Even the worst of the Uncharted's are still good games. I mean, yeah. Uncharted Three's biggest problem is that it wasn't Uncharted Two. <laughs> you know that was that was Uncharted Three's biggest issue. So no, they always do great with that. And even though, like you know, you never want to see a series go away. Like one that you're really enjoying. Right. You know, Naughty Dog, generally speaking, won't overstay their welcome like think about everything they've done like crash open and closed jack and daxter open and closed uncharted open and closed the last of us i fucking hope open and closed i mean you we know. only have two chapters in the last of us so far so there still might be so far so there might be one more there might be one maybe more. who knows i just can't have i just don't want to deal with any more bad decision making <laughs> that's that's just, that's just what i don't want to deal with um so, but yeah, no, Uncharted, it definitely, it's all, it's always going to be, I, I mean, I can't imagine Uncharted, an Uncharted game with a, a main Uncharted game coming out that wouldn't make a top 10 list. Like, I feel like because it's hard for me to like compliment this game because all I literally have to say is Uncharted and people already know like good visuals, good storytelling, decent combat, good, you know, good overall pacing, doesn't overstay its welcome good acting, good voice acting, good ever like I just have to say Naughty Dog Uncharted and people like already know the quality they're going to get out of this. You know what exactly. I mean? I mean Uncharted was one of the Uncharted 2 specifically was one of the I don't want to say it was one of the first games, but it, it it was definitely one of the games that helped pioneer cinematics or cinematic gameplay. Uh, yeah, like that's it, it is one of those games that really helped to do that. So that's I, Yeah. A, I mean, Uncharted definitely has pushed cinematic gameplay beyond him. And it constantly, I feel like Naughty Dog constantly challenges other developers. 
every time Naughty Dog comes out with a game, they improve on something or show something off that other developers aren't doing currently, and it makes other developers have to take note. You know what I mean? Right. No, you're right. Okay. So with that, we're going to go ahead and move into number four. Best games of 2016. Number four, Deus Ex, Mankind Divided. Deus Ex, Mankind Divided picks up soon after the events of Deus Ex Human Revolution, where the impacts of the ending of Human Revolution have caused a massive division between those who are augmented and those who aren't. Mankind Divided expertly combines FPS and RPG elements, giving players several options on how to approach situations, whether it's with the well-crafted dialogue options or well-designed levels that support both stealth and aggressive styles of play. Add the fact that the game is absolutely gorgeous and you have one of the best games of 2016. Number four, Deus Ex Mankind Divided. And I knew I was going to love this game from the moment I loaded it up. It looked immaculate. Like, you know, I'm not a big fan of like desert areas like in in games because they look bland to me. And that's where you start in this game. And it looked fucking phenomenal. I'm like, this is going to be a great game. (laughs) Like, you know, maybe maybe in shallow, shallow game. Like, oh, this game looks great. It's going to be great. You know, Uh, but no, it is. They. A game like this, the games like this have to be massive, right? Because normally, like, you know, when you, if you get, like, a really, really good-looking game, it's really easy for the developer to start to get, like, you know, to, to make some of the features kind of shallow. But there's so much depth to this game. Like, you could really choose between stealth gameplay and aggressive gameplay. And, and the difference between this game and Human uh, Revolution was that, you know, you could play aggressively in Human Revolution, or you could play stealthy in Human Revolution, but I kind of felt that if you played aggressive in Human Revolution, that you kind of got punished for it a bit, you know. Uh, whereas stealth was really the way that they kind of wanted you to play the game. Like Adam Jensen wasn't really supposed to be—he was supposed to be like a security officer, right? He wasn't supposed to be a one-man, you know. He wasn't the Doom Marine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he was supposed but to why go. Why can't I build him like the Doom Marine? No, I'm kidding. Well, in this game, you can build him like the Doom Marine. Like you can get like you know all ty- like you you can you can make it so that you know you can armor up when you go into a room, start mowing people down. You have these like they're not even razors; they're these are just sheets of metal that you can shoot out your arm or stab somebody with. You know, if you want to, you can straight up just be Terminator if you wanted to. You know, and it makes the game fun in both ways. So there's a place that's early in the game where there the police have uh kind of fortified an area because there was an explosion and um you can they like the way that they have the level put together you can either stealth through it and there's multiple ways for you to get where you need to go stealth through it stealth through it without alerting a single person if you're good or maybe put somebody to sleep if you need or if you want to fight it out it's built like an arena at the same exact time so you can use it kind of like as an arena to 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 fight through and just that level of detail in every area of the game that you can have an engagement is that's that's impressive that that's really really good i mean there's so many ways to approach a situation uh and that leads to multiple playthroughs as well of the game like you know you can be aggressive here and not aggressive here or you know Mm -hmm. 
You can uh, talk this person out of their, you know, you can talk somebody into what you want them to do if you're skilled enough. Because they have they have that, that system in there where as you're talking to somebody, you can kind of, you have to kind of gauge, you know, their mood and you have to select the correct dialogue to get them to be, you know, agreeable. So there's always multiple routes, multiple uh, pathways to handle a situation uh exploration is usually rewarded like you'll find like you know some some supplies you'll find side missions this game is packed with side missions you know and so you'll find like side missions doing they're all actually are they all multi-part i think they're all multi-part side missions like you'll never just complete it in one area my second playthrough i found missions or side missions that i didn't even know existed in my first playthrough you know i stumbled into uh, a side mission in the bank uh, you know, there's a, and I spent hours in this bank, and not it's you know you don't shoot a single shot at anybody. You just kind of stealth through it and get the stuff that you kind of need. So yeah, and the, the city is big. Well, it feels big, and it feels alive. I think that's more important. There's like a sewer system underneath the city too. You know, the game just feels large, and you know every now and then they send you to a remote area, and. The remote areas really aren't that that big. The remote areas are very kind of closed in, and they're supposed to be. But, you know, except the Golem City, the first place that you go is actually a little bit bigger than the others. But, I mean, other than that, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a joy to play. You know, you have a bunch of tools at your, at your disposal. They don't tell you what you're supposed to do in certain areas. You can literally just kind of do whatever you want to do. The only, my only uh gripe about the game is that it does like the only part of human revolution story that actually matters in this game is the end of human revolution that's the only thing that matters in this game um if you play the dlc there is a small part that deals with the dlc from the first game like like a like one mission if i remember correctly uh but other than that like the only thing that matters is uh you know what happens at the very end of human revolution. Like there's somebody in the game that appears over and over again. And I'm like, why don't you tell anybody, you know, who she is? And it just never happens. That's the only negative thing I have to say about uh, this game, but it was great. It was a lot of fun. I feel like not enough people played this and I'm trying to figure out why. Like, I'm trying to see, like, what games released around it or, like, what what caused people to not play this game. Like, I feel like I didn't hear enough about this game. Yeah, I, I felt that, too. I know some people were upset about there. There is another game mode that was, like, a microtransaction game mode. Ooh. But, like, that's literally outside of the game. Like, you would have to go outside of the game to access that. It was a card pack game, you know? Uh, where you can get these card packs or loot, was it loot box at the time? Maybe just card packs, and you can uh, get different attributes and be able to do different stealthy things, you know? I mean, I don't really see anything released near it that would have been, like, overshadowing it. Did it come out the same around the same time Dishonored came out? No, I mean, Dishonored, Dishonored no. came out in, uh, no, like, November, November or something like that, right? Okay. Yeah, like, November-ish. So. Yeah, this was out in August. So, like, I'm looking around and, like, it, like, <laughs> there isn't, I'm just, like, is like, was just no one paying attention in August? Like That might be what know. it is. I just feel like it's maybe a little bit more of an obscure title and because it's stealth so that, you know, I 
I watched a lot of people play it, but I didn't play it myself because stealth. So I'd rather just watch the storyline and see what options they pick. I also don't think the Deus Ex name has the same meaning as it used to. Like, I don't think it has that impact that, like, back in the days of the first Deus Ex and Deus Ex Invisible War, like, when you heard Deus Ex, you thought of, like, something. I just don't think that name had the punch that it used to for some reason. Right. No, I can I can understand that. Uh, I mean, it got good reviews, too. No, That's the thing. Yeah, it, it I mean, reviews, I'm looking yeah. at them. Like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, why I, I just don't know. I don't have a good reason why this game didn't take off in some form or fashion. Right, yeah. I don't know. It was a great game. Like, I mean, obviously, it's our, it's number four on our list, but it was just... I, I kind of... Sometimes I just want to open it up and, like, play through some of it because I missed that game. And, I mean, I kind of really hope that... I, I have a, a, um, a, a feeling that Cyberpunk is going to be a similar type of game as Deus Ex. And I hope that Square, like the success of Cyberpunk, kind of pushes them to push out another Deus Ex. So it would be very interesting <laughs> to. I think they want to see. You know what? Honestly, I would like to see them wait till after Cyberpunk and analyze Cyberpunk and then take whatever worked and didn't work in Cyberpunk and apply it to Deus Ex. Oh yeah, they shouldn't release this around Cyberpunk. That that will be no. That's a big no no. Well, I mean, uh, they couldn't because there's no worry. It's in development right now. Well, it might be. Who it's knows? probably know in development, but who knows how far? Right. Yeah, right. but if they at E3 this year, because Cyberpunk comes out what March, April? Bro, everything comes out in fucking March. Like, yeah, like everything. So like yeah, like Cyberpunk comes out in March. If they came out E3 like 2020, like hey, we got a Deus Ex come out 2021. I'm like, that's the shit that I'm talking about. Like you know, that's like you know, that's obvious. Yeah, excited. but if it's 2021 is the launch date, that's not really enough time to see what Cyberpunk did in like I think kind of course correct or you'd be surprised. It really depends on how flexible their tools are. Like and I think that like to make short term changes, you see a lot of that. Like that was one of the Destiny's biggest problems that that tool set did not, did not allow for them to make specific changes in the game that they needed to make in a, in a short amount of time. Right, so. right, right. And then so also, we'll I don't know what that team's working on right now. If they're working, if they've announced anything they're working on, so it could be like the whole team would be dedicated on it at that point to see what the feedback is for Cyberpunk. Maybe. Right. Okay, so let's go ahead and move into our number three pick. Best games of 2016, number three, Titanfall 2. Titanfall 2 was a great game that was overlooked because of a poor release schedule, but after word of mouth spread, became a favorite among FPS fans. Titanfall 2 provided one of the best single-player FPS experiences of this decade, with fluid controls, great level design, fantastic visuals, and excellent characters and story. The multiplayer did not suffer with the addition of the single-player mode, providing a solid experience both in and outside of a Titan, even adding additional modes long after release. Alright, coming at number three, Titanfall 2. If there was, I mean... This game was so underrated. Wasn't it funny? It was so underrated. EA sent this game to die. They released this game between Battlefield One, I think it was. It was Battlefield One and Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. 
Like they EA did not have faith in this game. And they just It was better than both of both them. Both of those games. It was uh, it was amazing. And like me, a lot of people only got this game because the game sold so poorly in the beginning that it was 50% off by Black Friday. 50% off by Black Friday in 2016. And it was just kind of like my, like my friend told me that's like oh that titan falls off it's it's only 30 bucks and i'm like yeah i don't have anything to play on my xbox right now i'll get it for 30 bucks on the xbox and then we played the multiplayer and we liked the multiplayer like okay well this is cool multiplayer and then he logged off in the night and i was like let me see what the single player is about oh my fucking god like it was i was like you yeah no i i'm having a hard time speaking right now it is one of the best <laughs> fps campaigns i've ever played it really is just an incredible yeah. single player experience. Uh, the weapon design, the weapon sounds, how they felt, movement, and how the movement worked with each level. Like each level was designed for you to be able to traverse well. Then on top of that, each like not each level, but a lot of the levels had different mechanics, like time travel, like Mike was talking about, which was different than Dishonored because the Dishonored time travel you need to use for stealth. But the the the, uh, the time travel in Titanfall Two was more about platforming, you know, and getting around obstacles and stuff like that. You had the fabrication facility, which was like a parkour playground, and a, and a, like just an amazing experience. You had that gun that could change the amperage on the panels. You had the thing that could move the panels around, and these uh-huh. are all different levels. You uh-huh. had a fight between moving. So I'm not done yet, Mike. You had a fight between moving start uh, moving airships. It was a great game and i haven't even talking about fighting in the titan yet which you know you had the different loadouts you had the boss fights that was great you can go now mike i'm sorry <laughs> i didn't play this campaign to 2019 and it still outdoes most first person shooter campaigns that are released between <laughs> yes. like yeah I'm, I, I'm, I can't remember what did i say to get you to play that game I don't know. Everyone was like, ever, I've been hearing like ever since this game launched, like why play the campaign, play the campaign, play the campaign, play the campaign. And I'm like, I got nothing to play right now. I guess I'll play Titanfall 2's campaign. It's on sale on Origin. Okay. And then like I streamed like the entire playthrough and like I had like a blast like playing it. Like it was, it was awesome. Yeah, like they, it was just incredible, and I think a lot of us have for kind of forgotten that respawn or you know that team because before they were respawn, they were Infinity Ward, mm-hmm. and we kind of all forgot that they know how to make a good first person shooter campaign, and that's because they, you know, I'm sorry, but like the campaign for Modern Warfare Two and Modern Warfare Three were just not good. They were not good FPS campaigns. You know, uh, they were predictable. Uh, I think that's because, you know, that was around the time that Bobby Kotick was really sticking his nose into the development of those games. Like, he's like, I want it to be like Hollywood. So, yeah, go ahead. Blow up the Eiffel Tower. You know, do all this ridiculous shit. That scene from the that scene from the rock that everybody likes. Put that in the game, you know. And when that team left and, you know, they formed Respawn, they were just able to do what they did best, man. And, dude, like, it just. They are just constantly showing how good they are. I mean, they had Titanfall was a good multiplayer game, but Titanfall 2 was amazing. Then you have Apex Legends, which is the only battle royale that I actually play. That's probably why I played Titanfall 2, too, because I was on an Apex kick for a while. And I was like, yeah. 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 And and now Jedi Fallen Order, like that just came out. They're on fire, man. They are on fire. 
I'm what? waiting for EA to fuck that up because that's typically how it goes. I heard that um that Vince was on the board of directors at EA though. I have to I have to confirm that. And so maybe they won't fuck it up. <laughs> I mean, Bioware ain't looking too hot. Blizzard's have an issue. Well, that's Activision. I know. <laughs> that's fair. But I think I think it's a well, little no, different. No, Bioware's EA, right? Bio, Bio, Bioware's EA, but you said yeah, Blizzard. I did say Blizzard. That was by accident. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Visceral Games died. Yeah. You like, know what? I, I think a lot of those, I think those developers died and they, EA has seen the backlash and the result of that. And maybe because of that, they'll leave Respawn alone. But also on top of that, Respawn went into EA with very strict stipulations. Because remember, they left uh, EA to go to Activision originally because they made Medal of Honor. And then they went to Activision uh, and formed an Infinity Ward and made Call of Duty. You know, so I think, you know, this isn't his first time, uh, you know, know, around the block with EA or a major publisher. So he knows, like, I think, I, I think they're going to be okay. Cause like, you know, they're getting amazing results by just letting them do what they need to do. I'm actually surprised. I'm pretty sure Fallen Order is going to have no DLC. I'm pretty sure they said no DLC for Fallen Order. Good. And it's like, <laughs> you just imagine EA not releasing a game with DLC, loot boxes, microtransactions, you know? What kind of what kind of pull do you have to have to get that <laughs> to get that out? And EA still get you release money. Apex Legends that year and be like, hey, look at all this money, <laughs> look at all this money, because these are where the microtransactions are. We made a game full of them, so yeah. we get one game without them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if that's a trade off. You know, as long as Apex stays alive, we get you know respawn games on microtransactions fuck i'll go yeah, buy which, a pack tonight which makes me worried <laughs> because i feel like anthem was supposed to be that game so bioware could go make a game and not have microtransactions so now i'm worried dragon age is gonna be full of well i don't think so because anthem is getting rebuilt from the ground up from the we'll ground see. up now know, if they man. if they fuck that up then it's over but we Ooh. all know that anthem has potential Anthem has a lot of potential. It was just released too early. It was released too early. Just pull an FF14, blow up the world, and just restart. Hey, there we go. I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if that's what we saw. But I know that game needs to be optimized, man, because like I'm running a uh, 2080 Ti, and I still get like stutter in places I should not. (laughs) You know, so. Anyways, back to Titanfall. Back to Titanfall (laughs) too. Yeah. Um, Now, like this game was just phenomenal. Absolutely amazing and i loved every moment of it so i don't think i've heard a negative thing about titanfall 2 either like the only thing i've heard is oh i haven't played it or i don't want to play titanfall 2 because titanfall 1 was stupid but then people play it and they're like oh my god this is the best game i've ever played I also think wasn't Titanfall two like free for a weekend or something like that or was something? it? I don't know. I, well, Titan. right now, right now, Titanfall two is free on PlayStation Plus. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now, yeah. Titanfall two is free on PlayStation Plus. And actually, a developer, a Titanfall developer, uh, he posted some of his work on Twitter for a very specific moment in the game. And it was a huge spoiler for the game. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? There are millions of people who are going to be playing Titanfall for the very first time this month. And you put this spoiler out? You got to be 
you know, you need to be more responsible with that. I mean, he didn't do it on purpose. He was kind of like, I worked on this, this animation. He said, this was the first animation that I worked on. And I think it worked out well because I didn't have attachments to the characters and it shows in the animation. And I'm like, dude, you're 100% correct, but this is a major spoiler. <laughs> like, <laughs> So yeah, it's uh, Titanfall 2 is, is amazing. Reese wanted a good job. Can't wait for Titanfall 3. Cannot wait. So. Okay, so with that, we're going to go ahead and move forward. Let's move into number two. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Best games of 2016, number two, Overwatch. Overwatch was Blizzard's first new IP since 1998 and was beloved by fans the moment Chris Metzen announced it at BlizzCon 2014. With a colorful assortment of diverse characters, Overwatch mixed an optimism for the future with team-based combat for a multiplayer experience that had players clamoring for more. For Blizzard's IP, the cavalry was here. So number two is Overwatch. And you got to remember this game. Like when the, you got to remember what it was like when this game first came out in 2016. It was, it, was a, it was a very different game. And I think that the success of Overwatch 2 just really. Like it, it, people weren't expecting it to be as good as it was. And I know developers weren't expecting it to have the impact that it did. I mean, Battleborn just crumbled under Overwatch, unfortunately. Like, it, it did. Like, they released Battleborn a week or two before, like, two weeks before Overwatch, because they released it in the middle of May. Yeah. And Overwatch came, and everybody was just like, Battle what? You know? Uh, they just announced their servers are being shut down next year, too. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I thought they yeah. were pretty shut down. <laughs> Me too. I was surprised. I was surprised. I was they, like, they oh, they still supported that? Okay, that's cool. They like tried this. so hard. The thing about Battleborn, I think it would have just came out one year later. One year. It would have been, I think, one year no later. One, no one knew how to play it, though. Like, no one understood, like, how to play that game. I think maybe because Overwatch came out, maybe... Based off Overwatch, maybe they could have learned how to play it because Overwatch was easier to digest. Overwatch like, no is just one, easier to understand, yeah. Yeah, but Battleborn was actually like really hard to understand how you were actually supposed to play that game. Right. So, like, I don't know. There was a lot of... Uh, I think they needed to yeah. play tests more. Or so I don't know what they could have done. I really don't. Well, Overwatch in the beginning, I think it was because people were playing it I think closer to theoretically how it was supposed to be played in the beginning. And it made the experience 
really amazing, right? So on launch, I think he had 21 heroes. Yeah, I think Anna was hero 22. So that would make 21 heroes on launch. Shortly after that, we got the 22nd hero. And, uh, you know, it was built from the ground up with teamwork, right? Like no kit was supposed to be able to just straight up carry on its own. It wasn't expected that you were going to pick one character and only play that character, and that mm-hmm. was it. And in the beginning of Overwatch, I think a lot of people really played that because everybody wanted to try out the different characters and stuff like that. The game was built on teamwork and team compositions, like you were supposed to communicate with your team and things of right. that nature. And that was in the pre-days before where you could have like six tracers. And like it was a lot more free form with the team compositions. Right. But Overwatch originally was Blizzard what they do best, which is making fun games, right? Uh, over the last few years, Overwatch is become more, they're trying to push it more in a competitive direction, but their balance philosophy is, um, it sends mixed messages, it's a little conflicted. Like they try to, they try to straddle the fence on both sides and it doesn't really work out that well in many cases, at least for the general public. The professionals will always find a way to uh, maximize their gains with whatever patch you give them. They're always going to do that. But for the general public, it's a little different. Like right now, in 2019, I think tomorrow we get a new patch as of recording this. But we've been dealing with the shield meta for months. And I know people just, like, won't play. Like I was, right. I, I was, I'm in a Discord with some people, and, you know, somebody asked if they want to play Overwatch. And they're like, well, I'm waiting for the patch. I'm not playing until that patch comes out, you know. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a little different, but, you know, originally the game was balanced well, it needed some tweaks, but the game just expected a few things. Like, you know, it didn't expect you to play to solo only one character. It didn't expect for, uh, it did expect for some characters to only be viable in niche situations. It expected that like in certain maps, certain situations, like, you know, Symmetra was a a niche pick. Bastion was a niche pick. You know, uh, 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 May was a niche pick. Like, she wasn't supposed to be picked all the time. And that's something else that's kind of changed over the years, too, where now they're like, well, if you want to play a character all the time, we're going to balance them so you can play them all the time. And that's a bit conflicting uh, as well. But, you know, like I said in the beginning, like, the primary concern of the game was fun. And the balance was leaning more toward fairness than competition. But at least they had a stable base on how they were balancing the game, which made it feel a bit better. Obviously, the competitive system needed a lot of work when it first came out. And and they did that. Um, And then the play of the game system was very unique at the time. The card system was cool, you know. Um but yeah, like it was it made was people a, feel good. It was that it made, dopamine rush, like that, just like oh, I did something cool. Yeah, exactly. It was a it was a feel good game. Uh, the characters were very feel good. There was a story that everybody wanted to know, but a Blizzard is like, what do you mean you want to hear about the story? You don't just want to play the game and we drip these pieces of lore on you over the next three years. Blizzard Blizzard knows we, no, don't give me, like, what do you mean you want? Blizzard knows we want goddamn story. Look at all their other fucking games that are like lore dripped. With like yeah. story head to toe, like there was like there was a lot of hype because of those uh, those Overwatch cinematics that they put out as well. So like you know, like so the game generated a ton of hype, and there was just so many people playing it. Uh, and I think they could have kept that momentum up, but they just didn't. They just kind of started slipping up a little bit. So I literally don't remember playing many games this year because I played so much Overwatch. Like yeah. literally, like it took a banger of a game to get me to stop playing Overwatch long enough to play it. Well, here's an announcement for me. I actually played Overwatch this year. 
<laughs> Holy oh, yeah. shit. I was, I was forced into it. But I did play it when it came out because everybody was playing it. But I'm not a competitive person. I'm not PvP orientated. Uh, so I did a lot of the robot because you could do you can do like the player versus robots or whatever. So I did a lot of that, which none of my friends did. So, you know. Oh, the bot matches. I thought yeah. you, said you, were, you were a robot like Bash. And I'm like, no, oh. No. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, everybody was playing the game. It w- was to the point where like I got the game on PS4 because the friends I wanted to play with was on PS4. But then I realized I wanted to play with my friends on PC more. So I was like, ah, whatever. I'll just get it for both. And that's how I own the PC version. But I did play it for a bit. It was fun for what I played. It's just not my style of game, unfortunately. Yeah, actually, um, I had this game on PC. Actually, I still like as of right now, I have five Overwatch accounts. I have three accounts on PC. I have one PS4 account and I have one Xbox account. So like I play this game a lot. Obviously, I did a podcast about it for three years, you know. So like that's it was the game that I played. And I made a lot of friends playing it. And that's what one of the things that kept me playing it for as long. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still kind of play it. Um, but uh, the thing that kept me playing it for as long as I did, for as frequently as I did, was playing with friends. And then on top of that, the podcast kept me engaged because I'd meet people from the community and we would play with them and, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, Overwatch, like 2016, I definitely think it was one of the best games that came out that year. Was it did a good job. So, and we'll see what comes in the future with Overwatch 2, which is not an expansion, by the way. That's, I mean, that's, it's not, it's not a sequel, by the way. It's an expansion. It is, it is definitely an expansion. I, just, I kind of want to put that out there on the internet that it, this is not a sequel. Don't believe the lies. Okay. It is, <laughs> it is, it is an expansion. All right. So with that, we're going to go ahead and go into number one. Best games of 2016. Number one, doom. Doom channels the energy of its early predecessors while simultaneously bringing the franchise into the modern age. Doom has perfectly crafted levels, excellent weapon mechanics and balance, and intuitive AI that forces you to either kill or be killed. You can keep pushing straight through and bulldoze through demons, or you can explore levels for power-up items and runes if you want. The game is also visually stunning and is a story that is good while not taking itself too seriously. In Doom, you aren't just killing monsters. To them, you are the monster. Okay, coming at number one, Doom. And before I get started on how awesome this game is, the reason IGN is a joke is because they gave this game a seven. Fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> they gave this oh, game God. a seven. Christina, we could go get water. Josh is going to pop off for about 10 minutes. Yeah, so, like, yeah. Just like... <laughs> Dude. I well, first of all, my for number one bullet point for this game is the soundtrack. The sound Mick Gordon, oh, phenomenal so soundtrack for this game. He actually got them to go against their wishes, right? So originally, the team uh, at Bethesda, or not Bethesda at ID, sorry, they did not want guitars in the game. No guitars, only electronic music. No guitars in the game because they didn't want they they thought it would make the game feel dated. That's what they didn't want it in the game. And Mick Gordon was trying to do what they wanted to do, but he's like, "Look, guys, it's not working." And he put together some really special sounding shit using old equipment, you know, using old, and it was just on point, on point. 
Oh, God, it was, it was such a good soundtrack. I listened to the soundtrack before I played this game, and it's one of the things that pushed me into playing the game. So, yeah, it was a, it was a great soundtrack. But I love arena shooters. It is my, it is my favorite type of, of, of shooter. Arena shooters are my favorite type of shooters. There's just not that many of them that come out now. And this was a perfect single-player arena shooter. It, it was. You had uh, a, a huge array, not a huge array, but you had an array of weapons. And each weapon itself is like a tool. It's like having a tool in a toolkit, right? You pull it out at the right time, use it against the right enemy. And on top of that, another thing with arena shooters, obviously you have level design is extremely important because they they need to be built like arenas, like, you know, FPS arenas like you would in Unreal Tournament or something like that. But they can't seem like it. It needs to still fit in with the actual theme of the game. And they did that perfectly. So every room, every time you go into a room in Doom and they close the door behind you and they lock it, you are in an arena. That's where you are. And it was built to use the game strength. It was built so that you could use any weapon that you wanted to, but there was like no real cheese to it. There was a, it was a, vert, every level was vertical because you had mobility. Like you could jump up here and, you know, grab the ledge and climb up and, you know, you had to deal with enemy management. You had to pay attention because in Doom, especially on the harder difficulty levels, it's not the big guys that kill you. It's the small guys that kill you while the big guys are chasing you. You know, it's, it's the trash you got to worry about, you know. So they really went back to Doom's roots with this game. Because Doom, in my opinion, and some people disagree, in my opinion, Doom was never a scary game. Doom was never meant to be a scary game. Uh, Doom, when they built Doom in the 80s, it was kind of like a, a trope on 80s movies, right? You had uh, the futuristic the the element. You had the um, occult element, and then you had the 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 big white savior, like you know, like the 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 big muscular white guy. That that's what the tropes were in the eighties, right? And that's what Doom was. And they just kind of brought it back to that, you know. You aren't supposed to be scared. You are supposed to be scary. <laughs> that is like, even actually in this game, they even kind of buy into that a bit because when you go to hell in this game and you touch the panels and the little rocks start talking. They're telling stories about you and how their heroes, how their heroes, the demons, were trying to fight you, and they got killed. They got destroyed. You know, he came across the Doom Slayer, and he got fucking murdered, you know, and they couldn't kill you, so they trapped you. That was the best that they could do, you know, in terms of the Doom Slayer. So, like, that's how the game, uh, you know, is meant to be played, right? Like, you're not supposed to sit back and run away and and that's how I knew. Like by the way, back to IGN. This is how I knew this guy was playing this game like a total. Uh, I'm not even gonna say it, but he like he like this the way this guy was playing this game. He kept on saying, "Yeah, you're probably just gonna wind up backtracking the whole time." And she's like, "No, you don't backtrack. You run up to them. You get in their face. You shoot them in the face with a shotgun. And you end it with a glory kill. You know." And let's talk about glory kills for a second. There, that is a great mechanic, and they implemented it perfectly. Because like because it doesn't like in the single player in the multiplayer it's different and we'll get to that but in the single player it keeps you keep moving it doesn't hold you uh, it doesn't stop the flow for too long it's just the perfect thing to do where you like you know if you get the opportunity you do it and you, on the harder difficulties you have to do it because you need the ammo and speaking of ammo even like the chainsaw right the chainsaw is just not like a cool thing to do to chainsaw somebody have it is a utility in the game because when you chainsaw somebody you get all of the ammo. This is my theory. 
This is the perfect puzzle combat game. Well, once you kill everything, yeah, sure, there's a place to explore. <laughs> no, like every arena is like a puzzle. Like you're okay. you're basically like given all these tools to be like, okay, here's what you have to deal with. Figure it out. Because it's very much like and I mean there's different ways to solve each puzzle, which is each arena room, but like there's always seems to be like, this is the focus of this arena. Go. And like yeah, and I will say, like on harder difficulties, this game is fucking hard. Yeah, like, sometimes you, you will die like, a lot. <laughs> like you, you will you'll die, die a lot. lot, even though you are the Doom Slayer and like fuck yeah, kill everything. Like you have to work to become the Doom Slayer. Like it's it's a thing. Yeah, like when I, on the harder difficulties, the the second playthrough I did, I think I did it on Nightmare, and I'm constantly getting that alert. I'm just constantly getting an alert. Like it makes this like uh, alarm noise every time your health goes below a certain threshold. And it's just like, I'm shooting, I'm killing somebody, I'm getting health back. And then almost immediately, like I get that alert again. And it, it just, it keeps you on your toes. So yeah, they, they really nailed it. And on top of the combat, right? There's a ton of exploration with platforming to get secrets and power ups and things like that. But then there's also challenges that you can do that will also get you more power-ups and make you more powerful. And it's it's just really cool. The multiplayer, a lot of people didn't like it. It wasn't a bad multiplayer, but it wasn't Quake. You know, that's the thing. Like they tried to they tried to make it uh uh more modern. Like you had to get I don't I I don't know why they thought giving you a loadout in Doom would it was the best thing to do. You know, actually and Doom is not a game where you need a progression system. You know, and I understand. I, I understand why they put in a game because that's what was happening in multiplayer. But with arena shooters, usually progression systems aren't that good because the thing about arena shooters, you have an advantage because you are more skilled and more experienced. But now your skill and experience is just exponentially like powered up by the fact that you probably have better weapons or better. Um, I forget what you can turn into a demon. I forget what they were called runes. I think in the multiplayer. You know, yeah. you have better runes. And on top of that, you're still better mechanically. And you know the maps better. It just makes you so much more powerful. It's for It uh, It was a forgettable multiplayer. Like, I didn't yeah. need to play it. You play this for the campaign. Let's just be fucking honest. Yeah, yeah you I do. Like, didn't even realize yeah. there was a multiplayer in it. You, good. <laughs> don't worry about it. Like, it's pretty forgettable. Go play, like, I don't know, any other arena shooter from the early 2000s, mid-90s. Uh, like, I, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it's also hard to pitch an arena shooter multiplayer to today's crowd. Like, it's just not, it's, it, it appeals to like the older demographic who's grown up with these games, but like, it doesn't sell it, well to the younger generation. It'll appeal to anybody who actually enjoys like the fruits of their labor, right? Like the problem with arena shooters the problem with arena shooters is that you're not just going to be giving a win. There's no going to be. There's not going to be any balancing for people who don't know how to play. Right? You're just expected to get the game and learn how to play. And that actually should be easier now with matchmaking. Matchmaking should be taking the higher level people and putting them together, and the lower level people and putting them together. But no, Let me like tell you about the FGC and their problems with matchmaking and how your idea sounds great, but yet still cannot be fucking implemented well in most uh -huh. games today. Well, I think with the FGC, it's a little different because the the multiplayer player pool for fighting games is different. Like the FGC is con con compared to other gaming communities, 
at a local level it's smaller at a local right. level it's small like you know uh but like yeah like it's you know if you have like you know like for example take overwatch for example the matchmaking in overwatch is actually pretty good unless you like purposefully smurf and even if that in those cases they try to match you up with other smurfs but that's also because overwatch's net code is better and because the pool of people is bigger so like well that's what i'm saying like with, with matchmaking so like the thing yeah. that i find with a lot of people play shooters is that like you know well, actually, look, this is games in general. Let's be honest. When they die or when they lose, they don't want to look at what's going on, like what they're doing. They just want to say, oh, this, this, this game is cheap. That's cheese. You know, that gun that hey, you have to be extremely accurate with but can get a one-shot headshot, that's cheese. That's why Widowmaker doesn't get one-shot headshots in most cases anymore <laughs> because it got nerfed because people were complaining about getting one-shot. Yeah by a sniper so so but yeah this game was good uh the snap map feature was also pretty dope where you can make your own uh maps and mods and things like that there was a, actually a pretty there was a small community but they 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 used it it was cool it just it was like hey we know people are gonna mod this game let's give consoles a way to mod stuff and make their own maps and do stuff that you know pc players are gonna do anyway yeah so Yep. But yeah, that is um that is our number one game. Like if you can't tell, that was a I think we picked that to be number one pretty early. Like there was I mean we did. I mean we did have a like a discussion about Overwatch, like cuz it's hard to like think of 2016 and not think of Overwatch, you know. It so. is. It is. I, I honestly had a trouble putting Overwatch over Titanfall to be honest with you. <laughs> but like uh, <laughs> But, but I'm trying had to a think. Great of, I'm, story when it came out. But I'm just. I'm trying to think about. Like it's hard to think about Overwatch when it. Uh, when it first came, first came out. out. Yeah, it's a different game. It's a different game now. So. Oh, it is vastly different than when what it used to be. Yeah. It, so it was fun. It was just a really fun time. Like back in the early days of Overwatch, the excitement was palpable. But Doom is just. Doom is like a perfect shooter. It's like it's kind of hard. Yeah, like it's hard to. I mean, maybe one day visuals will outdate it or something, but I think it's going to take a long time for that to happen. Oh yeah, because I didn't even mention how fucking good the game looks. Yeah, I yeah, the gorgeous. game was so good. I'm just concerned that how are they going to outdo themselves for the next one? I, you I know just what don't annoys know. me really hard is 2019 what? could have been so easy for Doom Eternal to be like game of the year for this year. And then it got pushed back to 2020 in the March season where every fuck every game in 2020 is looking to be a banger. And it, I I am worried about Doom now. It is. Oh, I thought. It comes we out. We don't even know day. about the second half of 2020. Yeah, we don't even know about the second half. Of well, the second half is next gen stuff, so we'll see whatever the hell that is. Like, mm. I don't know. We'll so see. What? But like, this 2019 could have been a great year for Doom, and that's all I'm saying. <laughs> 2020 yeah. is very crowded. <laughs> like, very, very, very crowded. Comes out the same day as Animal Crossing, so we all know that that's the same crowd. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, we got a chainsaw. Fucking, uh, what's her Isabel? We give Isabel a chainsaw. Let's just do it. Hmm. Give put Doom Slayer and Smash. Make there be a chainsaw. Isabel gets <laughs> a chainsaw. Done. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news. 
Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, so you guys got any closing thoughts on 2016? Uh, It was a weird game. I was actually, or game, year, because I was <laughs> catching up on games. So I was playing the Uncharted series for the first time. Um, Overwatch came out. I spent a lot of time on Final Fantasy 15 and a lot of time on Stardew. It was just like an obsession year, I think. 2016 was a lot of Overwatch for me. So like any game that I finished that wasn't Overwatch really stuck out to me because that means it was able to pull me away from Overwatch. Right. So like that's why like you don't see like a lot of I think my kind of games or like my major style of games in this year because I didn't really play a whole lot of other stuff because I was just in Overwatch. I, I don't know. I also think I was playing like Wii U titles at that time. Sure. Yeah, that sounds weird, <laughs> but like there's like four Wii U titles that I really, really liked. So. Mm. Okay, yeah, I mean, 2016 was like the year of the FPS. I mean, you had Doom, you had Overwatch, you had Titanfall 2. Um, I mean, oh, uh, Dishonored's not an FPS, but still a first person game. Even Call, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare had a good campaign. That campaign was good. I don't the multiplayer, I didn't like it that much, and I don't think the community enjoyed it that much, but the campaign for Infinite Warfare was good. So that was I, I just couldn't justify even putting that on this list. I think it would probably be you might mention in the honorable mentions. Uh but like I couldn't put it on this list with only half the game being good. So yeah. But yeah, no, it was a good year for anybody who's a fan of first person shooters. And this is a turn this is really a turn for us because like 2016 was dope. 2017 was dope. 2018 was the same. Uh, 2019, we're still in it, but things I have I have cooled down a little bit. Great time to catch up on those games from the previous years. So yeah, yeah. I yeah. think 2019 is just going to be the calm before the storm, though. Like I think this is like the calm year before like 2020 like kicks everyone in the fucking face. Well, we'll see once we get into 2020. So, <laughs> all right. So with that, we're going to go ahead and close up. Thank you for listening. Like I said earlier, you can uh, join us. You know, we're always looking for feedback. So you can uh, join us on Discord at discord.me slash mash those buttons. Or you can contact us at contactthematchbuttons.com. Or reach out via Twitter at twitter.com uh, slash the mash network. Uh, mash those buttons is a network supported by patrons. So if you are a current supporter, thank you very much. We always uh, appreciate your help and you help enable us to make uh, you know content like this. And uh, if you enjoy our content, you may want to check out our uh, our Patreon. <laughs> it is uh, patreon.com slash smash those buttons where you can uh, you know help support our content and receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. The bonuses that we're giving out for this series, if you're a fan tier patron, which is the $1 tier, uh, you'll receive a bonus episode called Honorable Mentions. And you'll also receive episodes uh, a week early or so. So that's what fan tier patrons get. Uh, supporter tier patrons, they will receive uh, the Honorable Mentions. They'll get the episode a week early. But they'll also receive our draft episodes, 
which are draft episodes of how we actually drill down to 10 games. We don't go over the top 10, but we will drill down to at least 10 games. So, yeah, if you are, uh, you know, looking to help us out, just go to patreon.com slash smash those buttons, and we really do appreciate it. And with that, we are done with 2016. We will catch you in 2017. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out mashthosebuttons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash mashthosebuttons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash discord. 